All right, uh, again, we are doing some changes to our Sunday School ministry, and Leslie is going to come up and share a little bit of uh, some, of, some of the vision and purpose behind it. So, Leslie. If you don't know Leslie, this is Leslie. She's awesome. Yeah. invitation for us to come and gather in God's presence. Um, do I need this? Can I? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to walk around a bit. So, um, I'm Leslie, and I've been coming um, to this church for about a year and four months, I think. And um, I'm going to start by just telling you how I came to know Jesus, because um, it's a story of testimony to his greatness and power, and I think that's always a good place for us to start. Um, so life circumstances, death and divorce and deception and um, other, you know, hard worldly circumstances left me um, completely debilitated and um, living in a little 300 uh, square foot cabin, unable to parent my children, uh, losing my home. Um, lost my dear brother and, um, and, and began to lose like all of my bodily functions. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. Um, I was completely devastated and shattered, basically. So I, um, I was spending my time burning, shaking. I could eat one banana a day and warm water and um, basically just thought, perhaps the best thing to do with this pain that I was feeling, this pain that I couldn't do anything about, this pain that I couldn't transcend and that I didn't want to put on anybody else, I didn't want anyone else to feel this horrible, that maybe the best thing would be if I could just leave, if I could leave the planet. If I could take this pain with me and just go away. And that way it wouldn't pollute, it wouldn't hurt anybody, it wouldn't land anywhere. And so as I was laying there just burning and shaking and going, maybe maybe this would be the best thing, your God, and I say your God because he wasn't my God at the time, but your God stood at the foot of my bed and came to me filled with light. I didn't, I didn't see him as a person. There was just this being of light with open arms and said to me, there's a different way. Would you like to come? Would you like to come and be with me? And I have to say that it took everything that I went through for me to be ready enough to say, yes, I do want to go with you. Because I wouldn't have. I was too strong. I was too independent. I was too... And being broken and devastated like that, I came. I, he came and I said, yes, I, I want to go with you. And he washed through my body at that moment, every cell of my body, every cell of my body. He, I felt light go through me and and he showed me that my entire body was wrapped in chains, like a mummy, like wrapped in chains laying on that bed, and they began to burst and pop off. Well, I didn't know that that's a thing. You know, it was after I got baptized and after I got saved that you hear, oh, that the chains are broken. I was like, I know that. That's true. That happened. It's really true. Um, anyway, he said to me, um, you know, I'd like you to go to the church in Belfer on Sunday. That was a Thursday. And on that Sunday, I got up and, and knew that I went there. And, and Pastor um, J. 
Jason, bless his heart, every, every week gives his sermon and says, you know, now you've heard from me, I'd like to hear from you. Is there anyone who wants to say anything? And I stood up and said, you know, I don't know why I'm here except I need God and I want God. And a woman four rows in front of me turned around and said, I feel inspired to put my hands on you. Would you be open to that? And I said, yes, please. And she came, and the whole congregation came. The whole congregation stood. They put their hands on me, and they just pulled God's love down and rained his love down. Let this woman know that she's a child of God. Let this woman know that she is loved. Let this woman know that she has a purpose and that God has a plan for her life. And two weeks later, I got baptized, and I have just been hungry and thirsty for God's truth and word ever since. And I think that my life is a, uh, the last two years of my life have been a testimony. I mean, I am healthier and stronger now than I have been in probably 15 years. I have a beautiful home. My children are healthy and strong and surrounded by support. After the devastation they've gone through, I have some amazing jobs in my life. And um, yeah, and it's all thanks, it's the grace of God. So that's my story. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Um, so if you guys see me around and I'm jumping and singing and crying during worship, that's because the pain and the, of the hell that I was rescued from is still so real that I can see it and I can see it all around and other people in it and the majesty and the grace and the power of what he has given and what he has offered to me and offers to every single being on this planet is so true and strong in me that I can't help. I got to jump. I got to shout. Woohoo! God is alive and he loves us. So, anyway. <laughs> um, yes. What? Oh, well, yes. Well, this is the thing. This is this, uh, the other part of the story is, is, that, is that, you know, I've, I've loved God forever. I have loved God forever. Since I was a small child, I've loved God. I'm, I am Jewish by birth. And, and the thing is, is that you can love God. You can love God without knowing Jesus. But that actual love of God can become a huge burden that you can never access without Jesus. So here I was, I mean, who can be the mama of four babies and not love God, right? I mean, we look and we go, oh, and there's a, there's a seed in each of our hearts about, about living in union on this planet and, and living in peace, and we all know that stuff, and yet there is no way to get that without Jesus. There is no way. And so I became actually more and more debilitated because I couldn't feed all the hungry children that I knew. I couldn't help all the sick people I knew. I couldn't bring the majesty and the glory that I could see into actualization until I met him. And he's the go-between, right? He's the go-between. He makes, he makes a way for us to reach that magnificence, that power, that, that perfection is what he does for us. So anyway, I actually had a topic that um, <laughs> I'm supposed to address. So the, f the funny thing is, is that as I was working on this, so, so okay, I, I remember where I was going. Excuse me, forgive me. Um, 
Uh, about six weeks ago, I was listening to, you know, I always try and put on a YouTube video or something when I'm doing the kitchen dishes and, you know, so I can be hearing the word and remember that this is worship too. And <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and there was this beautiful young pastor from California who um, was speaking and, and just so down to earth and he said, you know, he was really meditating on what what he what his message what his church is growing it's like 7000 people now and 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 really what the message was and and he said that you know it was really time that he wanted his people to um to stop talking about and thinking about what God has done for me and start focusing on what can God do through me and um you know I'm I'm, I'm learning to discern when the when the holy spirit is is convicting me right so <laughs> there's those ones where you just drop to your knees and you go wow thank you for showing me like wow i had no idea i was acting through those wounds and and sinning in that way thank you for showing me and then there's those ones where you go <laughs> and that was the situation it was like no i'm really comfortable in like you know sh- God has done so much in my life, and it's, a, well, two days later, uh, after hearing that, I get a little message from our pastor's wife <laughs> saying, would you prayerfully consider our children's mis- ministry because w- it needs some help, and again, I was like, you know, so I said, yes, Marie, I will pray upon that and see what God wants me to do, and um, Sure enough, I was filled with this fire, and yes, let's go. Okay, I'm going to swoop in, and I know how to, you know, get boards organized and mission statements and da 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 you know, go, go for it. Well, for some reason, God kiboshed that whole plan. <laughs> My emails to Jesse got tangled and lost, and so then I had to go, okay, so I guess maybe me being the power behind it and me being the organizer is not the way it's going to happen. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? And then I got a little bit mad and indignant um, about, you know, with our, with our congregation. Like, hey, people, we're supposed to be set apart from the world. We're supposed to do things even better than, than people in the world do. Well, there's kids' programs everywhere, and we should, and we've got to, and we, we should be able. Well, for some reason, that kind of didn't wash either. And, and, and so I couldn't speak in that vein. And um, so I'm still meditating on this. I'm reading, I'm praying, and, um, and basically God said to me, well, there's good news, and then there's some bad news. And so when I went into the good news, there's good news, people. We are the children of the Most High God, right? He has plans to prosper us, to bring us to victory. He is with us every moment. We can gather underneath his name which is shelter and a rock underneath our feet, that's the good news. And when we hang out there, and all for the last two weeks when I was hanging out in the good news, guess what? There is no bad news. There is no bad news. There is no bad news if we stay close to Jesus. There's only places that want us to plant and to stand strong and bring his light there. That's all. That's a, there's no bad news, because at first it was like, our children's ministry is falling apart, and no one wants to volunteer, and the people are burnt out, and like it's all done, and it's, all, it's a terrible thing. Well, that's not the truth. 
The truth is, is that God is all-powerful, and he wants us to come together to build something beautiful and light and safe and strong for our children. And he has asked me if I would just kindle that light in your hearts and that we can all start to pray and meditate on what that's going to look like here at this church. You know, what is that going to, are we going to have, you know, I mean, we're starting at the ground level, but we have the foundation, right? We have the foundation. We have Jesus. We have God's love and light and truth and strength as our foundation. So from that, we are going to start a children's ministry here. And, I mean, I've just been flooded with visions. Um, one of the visions is, is that, um, has anybody seen that movie called Far and Away? It's like you know, with Tom Cruise. You know, it's a romance about the immigrants coming uh, to America in the Wild West times, and they give away land. And if you can run with your flag and stake your claim, then you get to own that land. And, and, and God's just been... That has been with me for weeks now. Like during worship, I just see, you know, I'm going all the way up to the top of the lake and I'm planting a big flag. and go, This is Jesus' territory. Jesus lives here at the top of this lake and way out to the valley. Jesus lives here. This is Jesus' territory. And nothing else can stand here. No darkness, no evil, nothing can stand. Only God and his light can be in this territory. So it all belongs to him. And he's just waiting for us to stand and claim it. Amen? Amen. So we are going to claim the territory here for young people. We are going to be a light that shines out from this valley, and we are going to raise up strong, amazing children who know who their creator is, who know the intermediary between God and earth, which is Jesus Christ. So I am just here to to ask you all to hold in your hearts, to really pray. I see us all knowing the name of every child who comes to this church. I see them coming up and sharing little songs and verses that they know and us teaching them and singing with them. And, and I know that every single person in this family has something to offer. Every single one of us, whether it's telling a story about, you know, Bernie, you have inspired Dove so many times with your stories. You just meet him out on the porch and for the whole rest of the week he tells me great stories that Bernie told him. So, I mean, there it is. That's the children's ministry. Loving and caring about each other. And I'm sure that a curriculum will arise and we will get a roster of, of who's making snacks, who's volunteering, and all of that. And the exciting news is that we're at the ground level. So, if you're a parent of young children, I ask you to come forward, come and find me. Tell me what your vision is. What do you hope for for your child? What would work for you? What do you see is needed? Or grandparents, hallelujah. Hallelujah, aunts, uncles, everybody. We're all connected. We're one family, right? And our little tiny people are the most important, and they need to be held in the, mo in the center of the circle. So the scripture that I just want to leave you with is, of course, um, the famous... Oh, I'm going to pull a Chris here. Now I got my app.
So Mark 10, 13 to 17, and this is from the, um, the NIV version translation. Uh, Mark 10, 13 to 17. Mm-hmm. The little children and Jesus. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Father God, we are so grateful that we get to come here and and gather underneath the, the shelter of your name, God. And that we stand as a, as a family and a congregation and a church uh, on, the, on the foundation, on you, our rock. And we just ask you to show us, God. Show us how to care for our youngsters. Show us how to be a, um, a people who, who loves them and invests in them and comes together to protect them and guide them. And to provide something that will also um, invite and intrigue people from all over, that they'll go, hey, wow, those kids are alive and, and so strong. And, and uh, we just ask you, God, fill every heart here with an urge and a desire to serve you and to bring our children closer to you. And, and we're excited to see what you, will, what you will unfold here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We are going to do a spiritual checkup this morning, and um, it's important to do this once in a while, just to say, hey, how are you doing when it comes to, to you and, and Jesus? Uh, we are more than just physical beings, and we can put a lot of effort into this physical world, you know, making sure we're eating healthy, or, you know, we put, some of, at least some of us, put exercise work into exercise, not me right now, but uh, I mean, we know that our physical bodies are important, but our spiritual world is even more important because our spiritual world actually even affects our, our physical world. Uh, it says this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. If there's one thing we need to be doing well, that is our spiritual world must be doing well. It needs to be a priority because, man, everything in life rises and falls in how we're doing with Jesus. And so we're going to do a little checkup. And, and we go uh, sometimes to the dentist for a checkup. And, uh, and sometimes they're called a dental. I don't know why they call them exam. Just the word makes it worse. But uh, we know when we go get a, a, a dental checkup, you know, sometimes it's not all that comfortable. You know, they jam this plastic thing, you know, the x-ray thing in your mouth. And I don't know, maybe just me, but it seems to always hurt. And they tell you to bite and it like hurts more. And then they stick this and they throw this lead over you and run out of the room because, I mean, <laughs> it's not always the most comfortable thing. And as we do the spiritual checkup, it, it may get a little uncomfortable uh, for some of us. We know going to the doctor as well. I mean, uh, they check our body. We know it's important that we, we are in good physical health. But again, how much more when it comes to our spiritual health? And again, when you go to the doctor, uh, sometimes if you've never done a physical, I mean, so I've heard there are some things there that are really uncomfortable as well, right? So, and this checkup's no different. 
And, it, and there are my times where I'm like, man, I just don't want to like engage with that right now. And, but it's important. Uh, when the dentist jams an x-ray in your mouth and the doctor does things that you don't really appreciate, he's not doing that to make a fool out of you. He's not doing that so you feel guilty. He's doing that because he wants you to be healthy. And this message is not, I mean, I don't want you to walk away feeling guilty or ashamed. This is so you know how you're doing so that you can grow closer to Jesus. Because everything wraps around how we are doing with Jesus. And this is not like a test where there's a pass or a fail, like, well, I'm glad I'm doing better than that person. No, this, is, this is about, are you doing better than you used to be? That's what you want to be answering. You're not like, well, I can never as good as that person over there. I'm a failure. No, it's, are you doing better than you were last month? Are you doing better than you were last year? And if you are growing, celebrate. Just thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in my life. And, 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 and just uh, celebrate that moment. But if there's areas where you're just like, I think I'm sliding a little bit. It's just, I'm just not quite as focused as you used to be. This is when the little minion is going to come out and sound the alarm. And it should be. You should have the minion going off in your brain. There's a problem. And that's where you want to ask God, God, how, where, do you want to go, where do you want me to go from here? How do you want me to, to change this or adjust this? All right, so our first question is this. Are you drawing closer to Jesus or drifting away? And when you think about your relationship with Jesus, uh, just, just, just your life in general, do you find yourself drifting closer to Jesus that your heart is just becoming more and more alive. You, you just have more and more excitement. You're hearing his voice more and more. You just, there's this, this, this thing that is growing you. This, I just want more of Jesus. Or are you drifting? You find your passion is just getting less and less. Your desire to connect with other Christians is getting less and less. You find yourself getting more and more isolated, more, more wrapped up in things of the world rather than the kingdom. Are you drifting closer to Jesus or are you drifting away from Jesus? And it's really one or the other. I mean, very rarely do we ever stay put. I mean, it's like a marriage. It's either getting better or worse. Very rarely is it, is it stuck. But we are called to be people who draw near and are constantly desiring more and more of Jesus. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I mean, those people who just say, man, I feel God is so close. God is so real. Those are people who are hungry for God. People who say, I just don't really feel God much. Usually are people who are drifting away. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will uh, seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Does that describe your heart this morning? You just, you just are seeking God. Any chance you can get, you just, you just want to seek God. You want to know God. You want to talk to God. You want to think about God. You want to worship Him. Is this something growing in your life? Or is this becoming less and less in your life? The author of Hebrews warns us, and he says this, we must pay, and he says this, not just careful attention, but he actually says the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. In other words, we are to take care of the most careful attention because it can happen so subtly. And I see it sometimes as a pastor in people. They just slowly, slowly begin to drift. They just they don't come to church as much. They're not reading their Bible as much. They don't think about the kingdom as much. They're not engaged in mission as much. And they just slowly drift away until they crash. They're like, how in the world did I get here? You got there one small step at a time. You slowly drift. So pay the most careful attention that you are not drifting, drifting away. 
And this is especially dangerous in uh, this world that we live in here. Uh, because the most dangerous times for us to drift are often times of blessing. And there's a lot of warning in the scripture because we are so blessed here. Man, there are so many fun things to do. There are so many awesome things on TV. Now with Netflix, you got a zillion things we could watch. There's Facebook, there's Hobbies Glore. I mean, I mean, there's all these awesome, amazing things. We have money beyond what most people have in this world. I mean, we have it made, and we need to thank God for that. But there's also a very big danger in that. And this is what God addresses in Deuteronomy 8. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, that's us. Praise the Lord. Like we talked about last, we need to give thanks. We need to give thanks. These are God's blessings. Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you, for your house, your car, all these opportunities we have. That is amazing. Great. Thank you, God. But be careful, he says. As Hebrews, you must pay very careful attention. You're not drifting away. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And, and it's what Jesus has done. He has brought us out of slavery. He has set us free. He has made us secure. He has made us significant. He has done so much in our life, and he has given us his blessing that it's just everywhere. We cannot, we just, we just make sure we don't drift away. We cannot allow the things in life to become our gods. We have one God. His name is Jesus. And so we must be very careful that we're not drifting away. Jeremiah 2 says, They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And in other words, I mean, God is like this living water. He's a living cistern. There is so much that he has. I mean, he's the one who blesses us and gives us our life. Anything that we drift to is a dry, broken, dirty cistern compared to Jesus. I mean, there are things that money and, and all these things that we have around us, they, they promise us good, but they can never give us what Jesus gives us. We must make sure that our focus is on Jesus. And this, by the way, can happen to a whole church. Uh, we see this in Revelation, Jesus speaking to one church that was drifting. It says, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first, back when you were excited. You were like a Leslie. Man, God is so amazing, and I just want to do as much as I can to be around him. It's amazing. You can subtly drift from that, and it can happen to a whole church. Consider, Jesus says, how far you have fallen. Again, consider, think about your ways, where you once were or where you are today. And then he says, repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, there's times when Jesus is talking about taking away the lampstand. He actually shuts down churches sometimes when churches are no longer about Jesus. That's why we need to make sure that we are all about Jesus. Because the strength of this church is not about me. It's about all of us. Loving and seeking Jesus with wholehearted passion where he is our hero. He is our king. He's what makes, it, makes us significant. And he is the one we worship. And so... How are you doing in this? Are you drifting closer to Jesus or are you drifting away from Jesus in the last month, in the last, in the last year? And if you find yourself drifting away, it just says, repent and do the things you did at first. You just start going the opposite way. And what did you do at first? Well, man, I, any opportunity I could find that was kingdom, I did it. 
I thought about kingdom at work. I thought about kingdom when I was in my family. I thought about kingdom I'm trying to connect with the saints. and you just, you just love Jesus. That's what you do. All right, number two. Are you daily and intentionally connecting with God in a meaningful way as opposed to a dry religious way where I got to get my verse read today so I can get on with the rest of my life? Are you connecting with God daily and intentionally in a meaningful way? Jesus said, he said that I am the bread of life. And we all know how important food is. We all eat every day. But Jesus is the true bread of life. Uh, Jesus is more important than our food. I mean, we talked about that, that Jesus said, you know, man doesn't uh, live on bread alone, but on every word of God. Uh, Jesus is the one who sustains us. Jesus is the one we find our freedom. Jesus is the one we find our hope. Jesus is the one we have strength in. Jesus is our protector. He is our rock. And if there is any meal that you are going to have during the day, it's got to be a meal with Jesus. I mean, we got to see this as more important than our physical food. And often we can kind of drift from this where we, uh, I make time for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks, but I don't make time for which is even more important than food, and that is feasting on Jesus because He is my true life source. I mean, do you daily connect with Jesus? And I know it can get busy, and there's a lot of stuff going on sometimes, and sometimes the times might be shorter and other times longer, and Jesus lived like that. He spent a whole night in prayer sometimes, and sometimes I think it was a little bit shorter, but are you connecting with Him? And I don't mean as I'm driving to work or as I'm doing my work, I'm kind of talking to Jesus throughout the day. You should do that, but there's a difference. Have you ever gone to lunch with somebody whom the whole time they spent on their cell phone? And you're like, hello, you're on your phone and we're supposed to be connecting. You know, sometimes we're like that with God. We just, we, we connect with him the whole day doing all these things and we're to do that. But there's a difference when you put down your phone, you put down your work, you put down your TV and you just say, I want to connect with you. Is this something growing in your life or is it shrinking in your life? If you want to know how to do this, let me, we could do a whole message on this, but let's, if you don't know, this is how you do it. First of all, you need to set an appointment. If you don't set an appointment, the chances are you're probably not going to do it. Because what happens, I'll meet with God if I have time, and this world is so crazy busy, you know it. You don't have extra time. You just don't. If you don't set an appointment, you're probably not going to do it. And you know what? If your friend calls you this week and says, hey, can we get together for lunch or dinner? You're going to say, yeah, I'll make time. If your most famous movie star or hockey figure said, I want to meet with you today, you'd make time. The God of this universe wants to meet with you every day. Set an appointment. If someone else says, hey, I want to meet with you, say, no, I got an appointment with God. I can't do it. It's that important. It makes all the difference in your world. So set an appointment, and then you want to start with worship. A lot of people miss this. And they wonder why their devotions aren't meaningful. We have to learn in this world where we are so self-centered to be able to take time, like worship during church, worship on your own, where you just get the attention off yourself. And it's so hard. Even just worshiping God for five, ten minutes can be really hard because you're just taking all the attention off yourself and you're putting it on the one who is worthy. But you must learn to do that. If you want to grow in hearing God's voice, if you want to grow closer to Him, you need to begin with worship. You can do that through music on your iPod or YouTube, or you can just worship Him with words or worship in whatever way, but then you want to pray for what's on your heart. A lot of people say, well, I always get distracted when I try to pray or read. It's because you got all this stuff on your heart. 
And you got to give that to God. Cast all your cares upon Him. Maybe you're worried about finances. Maybe you're worried about your marriage. Maybe you're worried about something in your life. And that's where you begin. You just cast it on His feet. You pray about it. And you leave it at Jesus' feet so you're free to engage in other ways. And then you want to read some, spend some time in the Bible. And then you want to listen to God because He speaks. He really does. He speaks. You want to listen and journal. It's one of the most helpful things to do. Helps you focus your thoughts, and it really, really helps you hear God. You can just ask God, God, what do you want to say to me today? And, and just write down some of those spontaneous thoughts that come, and often those will be God. You check them always with God's word, but this is one way you can do it. It's very effective. And one of the reasons, again, we don't is because sometimes we kind of feel, well, it's a relationship. I should just go based on feeling, and if I feel like doing devotions, I will do them. Feelings make a really, really bad leader in your life. Yeah. Feelings are not your Jesus. Jesus is your Jesus. And Jesus has given us some self-discipline. Second Timothy 1.7 says, the spirit, of God gave, uh, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. There needs to be some self-discipline. Sometimes I think we need to bring a little legalism back in the church. Because we've gotten so far, it's like, well, I just, it's just spontaneous with Jesus. And that's awesome. You need to be spontaneous with Jesus. But it's important that you are saying, I'm going to connect with him. I'm going to be serious about this. It will rock your world for the good when you just start doing this. When you make your times every day meaningful. I mean, you got to check in with the guy who knows everything that's going to happen that day. A lot of us are too busy because we're wasting our time doing all these things that we sh think we should be doing instead of listening to God, saying, God, what do you want me to be doing? And so are you daily and intentionally connecting with Him? Is something growing in your life? Or does this have been shrinking in your life? Number three, are you on mission? Do you have a passion to reach out to those who do not have a relationship with Jesus? Uh, Jesus did not just save us so we can be happy and go to heaven. He saved us to be on a mission. He said to go and make disciples of all nations. The reason, one of the reasons he gave us the Holy Spirit was so we can be witnesses. Uh, do you care about those who don't know Jesus? I mean, I think back to those times when I didn't know Jesus. I'm just like, man, that was horrible. And I just have so much life and freedom now. I mean, do, do you care about those who don't know Jesus? And if people in this area, I mean, if people knew what happened here on Sunday, that we got to worship and there's this word of life and Jesus and how Jesus, they would love to be here. There's people who would love to be here. And we're called to go find those people. That's part of, I mean, is this growing? Is your passion for those who don't know Jesus growing or is it shrinking? All right, number four. Is your sensitivity and obedience to the leading, convicting, conviction, and encouragement of the Holy Spirit growing? Is your sensitivity and obedience to the leading conviction and encouragement of the Holy Spirit growing? In other words, do you just feel more and more led by the Spirit? Or are you more and more led by your own desires and your own plans and your own initiatives? Are you ignoring when God convicts you? Are you ignoring when He encourages you to go do something? No, I got my own plans. Part of being a follower of Jesus is is actually acknowledging him as Lord. I mean, that's the very salvation prayer of, of Romans is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe with all your heart that Jesus raised from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, is, is he, are you allowing him to lead your life? I mean, if you picture life as a car, your life as a car, Jesus is to be one in the driver's seat. 
But the problem is often in life when we're, drawing, we're having trouble, we see, we see Jesus hitchhiking there. We say, yeah, I better pick him up. He can make my life better. And we throw him in the trunk. And we only pull out Jesus when we're in trouble, when we get a flat tire. Man, our life is going bad. I'm going to go get this Jesus guy. I better go to church this weekend because things are going horrible. And you pop up, can Jesus, can you fix my tire? And he's no better than a carjack to you. Uh, he is to be the one leading our lives. We're not to be a, you know, in the, he's not to be in the backseat or the passenger seat. But, but again, this is why it's important to check in with Jesus. Jesus, what do you have for me today? Where are you leading me today? God, is there anything in my life that you want me to change? Just to, to talk to him and listen to him and be connected with Jesus. To actually have him lead. Because I tell you, he makes a far better leader than you. You know, all the problems that we have in life is because we're trying to lead those problems. When you put Jesus in charge, he knows everything. He is God. He is all loving. He's all powerful. He makes the best. I mean, why wouldn't you let him? Why would, talking to myself too, why don't I let him lead all the time? I mean, is this something growing in your life? Or is this something shrinking in your life? Number five, what are your priorities right now? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? This is what Jesus said. It comes right out of Scripture. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I know there's this tendency in the church, which is, is partly true, to say, well, everything is kingdom. And you know what? Everything is kingdom. My job is kingdom. Uh, my family is kingdom. They are. And all of life is kingdom. But he's talking to people who are living life yet not living for the kingdom. They were, they were freaking out about money and possessions, and Jesus says, look, j- just seek first the kingdom of God. It's kind of big K kingdom and little K kingdom, if you, if you will. The, you're living kingdom when Jesus is on your mind and he's in the driver's seat, at work, at home, at church, throughout your life. What are your priorities right now? And all of us could say, well, I think I know what my, I'd like my priorities to be, but the reality is we are actually always living our priorities. You're living your priorities right now. Uh, I mean, we have these desires, but we, we always do what's most important. If we think Jesus is important, we make time for Jesus. If we think church is important, we make time for church. If we think family is important, we make time for, for family. Uh, Mark 8 said, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And sometimes we make excuses when we're not seeking first the king. Well, you know, I got this, I got this job, I got to finish this. And maybe after I get this project done or I get this, 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 this time of my life finished, then I'm going to actually really start seeking the kingdom first. Now, Jesus would just say, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? What do you benefit if you gain that promotion? What if you, get, if you, you become the most famous person in the world yet lose, lose your soul? There's nothing more important than just living kingdom throughout our, our daily life. The full verse says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then it says this, and all these things will be given you as well. There is a principle here, and that is just simply this. When you put God first, he blesses you. When you don't put God first, you miss out on God's blessing. Now, sometimes out of his grace, he still blesses you. But I tell you, you miss out. These people were worried, freaking out, and Jesus' answer was, you seek first the kingdom, and then all these things that you really hope for in life, you really want blessing, then you'll be blessed. That's how it works. If you don't seek first the kingdom, you miss out on God's blessing. You seek first the kingdom, you receive God's blessing. And this is all over Scripture. I mean, we can look at Proverbs 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, 
You seek first the kingdom of God when it comes to your, your money, what happens? You're blessed. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I mean, because the reality is when you, when you tithe, God blesses the rest of the 90%. 90% blessed by God goes way farther than 100% not blessed. Absolutely true. You talk to anybody who tithes, they will say the same thing. There's a whole story about this in Haggai, about seeking first the kingdom, because when you seek first the kingdom, that's when you can be blessed. And by the way, God doesn't bless you for selfish reasons. He blesses you so that you can bless others. He blesses you, you can be a blessing to others. If you want to be a blessing to yourself and to others, you got to seek first the kingdom of God. And Haggai says, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin. Talking about the the temple that was supposed to be built. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. In other words, you see, why is everything so hard? It seems like money is going through my pockets. I never have enough money. I'm freaking out. I'm just, just not satisfied. The life is crazy. Just like Matthew chapter 6. People freaking out, filled with anxiety. They were not seeking first the kingdom of God. Therefore, they were not being blessed. And therefore, they couldn't be a blessing to others. And so it goes on. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Again, it's like Hebrews. Be very carefully not drifting away. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Talking about the 100% that they decided to keep, it was not blessed. It just seemed to disappear. Why? declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, uh, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed. They decided, you know what? I need to seek first the kingdom of God. And the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the Lord. And look what happens. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord's people, I am with you now. The idea of being the Lord with us, he is always with us, but the phrase the Lord is with you in the Bible means he is there to present to bless. This is why one of the reasons you need to seek first the kingdom of God, because it allows God's blessing to fall in your life. That when you seek the kingdom of God at work, you seek the kingdom of God in your play, you seek the kingdom of God with your family, you seek the kingdom of God as the number one priority in your life, it opens up blessing. You say, I'm going to keep for myself? You're just living on 100% of unblessedness, and that is hard. Jesus' answer to an anxiety, crazy life that the holes in my pockets and why isn't anything working is seek First, the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. How are you doing when it comes to seeking first the kingdom of God? Is it something that is, that is a priority that you are growing in? Maybe we'll skip this one here. Uh, number seven, uh, are you seeing an increased level of the fruit of the Spirit? Last one. Are you seeing an increased level of the fruit of the Spirit displayed in your life? 
This is one of the quickest ways to tell if you're growing closer to Jesus or growing farther away. Galatians 5 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of someone who is focused on God, growing in God, seeking first the kingdom is this. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That these will be growing. And there's a test. Because a lot of times we say, oh, I'm doing really well at these things. I love my church family and I love my physical family. That's not what this is necessarily talking about. This is talking about those that are difficult to love. This is talking about those who are hard to relate to. I mean, Jesus told us, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Do you just love those who love you? That's not a sign that you have the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life at all. Even people who don't have the Holy Spirit do that. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Is the fruit of the Spirit growing when it comes to those people you're having difficulty with? Do you find you're getting more frustrated? You're gossiping more? You're getting more just anxious about that situation. You just want to more and more stay away from them. Or is your heart growing for those people? Do you find yourself being more thankful than gossipy and blaming and fault finding? Are you growing in this? The answer to our issues in life is Jesus. The worst thing you can do, I mean, I tell you, the secret to a miserable life, I'll tell you what it is. Just walk away from Jesus. I mean, that's where our strength and our power and our blessing comes from. If you just want your life to be more and more frustrating, just, just walk away from Jesus. Don't seek the kingdom of God first, and you'll just find yourself getting more and more frustrated. And, 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 and God is constantly calling us. Last verse here. Come, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come. Buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in rich food. That's Jesus who is the bread of life. That's who we delight in. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. If you want your soul to be more alive, just make your life about Jesus. Any opportunity you can have to connect with Jesus people like us or you can connect with time to connect with Jesus and just live for the kingdom, do it. And you won't regret it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And God, as we look through those things we talked about today, God, we just ask that you would Uh, cause our hearts to be more in line with your hearts. God, that like your son Jesus, that we would be people who only do what we see the Father doing. God, I pray the kingdom of God would be a priority in our lives. God, I pray that we would just right now surrender the driver's seat. And God, that we take you out of the trunk, we take you out of the back seat, we take you out of the passenger seat, and say, Jesus, I want you to lead. So, Father, I pray you would build into our weekdays meaningful times of connecting with you. God, I pray you would build in us times where we can clearly hear your voice so we can get direction and and, and encouragement for the day. God, I pray you'd fill us with passion for you. 
In Jesus' name.